So welcome to episode 24 of Indy's Augmented Reality Podcast. So the subject this week is uh, AR photo booths. Indy announced the world's first AR-powered photo booth called Hero Mirror three years ago. So we've decided to dedicate an entire episode about this unique product of ours, which has often been imitated, but never really duplicated. So we're here in the studio with the usual suspects, with Norby Chava and Alex, who are going to tell you a little bit more about some of the biggest names of the entertainment and sports industry who've benefited from this fabulous product. So, on to the questions. Question number one. Uh, we feel that people know Indie best for its large screen, our experiences. Why is it, Alex, that we decided <laughs> to come up with a small uh, kiosk-sized product? Uh, that is a very good question. To correct you slightly, that's actually six years ago, technically. I thought it would. I thought it would um, why? We... There was a long time, six years ago, was was based around the idea of an AR vending machine. Mm. And that's where the conversation kind of began. And so as ridiculous as that sounds now, it kind of has come to fruition. But one of the things we were looking to do was create something that, that could operate in smaller spaces. So we've always had the premise that if, if AR is interesting to people, one of the biggest issues is obviously the download. So mobile applications don't fall into any, or don't fall into a lot of categories for a lot of brands, for a lot of entertainment spaces, for example, because the truth is lots of people don't download stuff. So we decided to take what we'd learned from, from broadcast AR and then miniaturize it to a point where it could operate pretty much in any space and for also, you know, for it to be completely standalone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the kind of rationale behind it. <clears throat> the hero side of it was was really was kind of internal conversation about what it would do. So obviously broadcast AR was something that uh, placed people into environments to a certain extent and then it got mutated in different ways. But one of the things we realised with something that was fairly close proximity that you were actually able to meet characters. And once you started to think about meeting characters then you started to think about film, you started to think about entertainment and then that then led on to the idea that every, every category has a hero. And so, therefore, can we use it to allow you to meet those heroes? In short. <laughs> yeah, I remember conversations about um, kiosks a long time ago. Well, <clears throat> we, were very, we, we were very kind of cautious about whether we would do it or not because we didn't really feel as if it really provided a, a quality experience. It kind of felt a bit... Noddy at the time, didn't it? Yeah, it didn't really feel as if we didn't really feel as if we could do something that. Are we going to leave a translation of Noddy in yeah, the notes afterwards? Then yeah, we'll put that into Spanish later on. <laughs> it's, um, I think that yeah, it's true, but but I think we were approaching it the wrong way. So I, I think the initial conversation was taking the big thing and making it small, mm-hmm. and so and when you made when you took the big thing and made it small, it didn't work because we weren't thinking about content in the right way. We weren't really thinking necessarily about what the audience would want from it. So by taking, let's say, a licensed content package for National Geographic, it did look odd and it didn't work because you were then trying to cram it into now a different aspect ratio on a much smaller footprint. So you end up with kind of much more miniaturized experiences. I mean, I think think the initial... I think we took... I think we took a a wooden-framed... Hero Mirror to IAPA in 
in about 2013. Uh, and that wooden hero mirror is now locked up in a cupboard it's in somewhere in, in the ages. Yeah, it's in the in I think it's locked up in a cupboard in somewhere in Universal Studios. Uh, but it, but actually, it just gave, it gave us the opportunity to test out what people thought of it. And what happened was that as soon as people saw the wooden box with the screen inside of it and with a PC powering it somewhere behind, they started to say, "Oh, this would be great if it was." <laughs> Uh, if it had a payment mechanism. Mm. Well, this would be great if it was available in different screen sizes. This would be great if it had printing. Oh, can, can I share what happened or are you just going to print it? And so actually it was, it was a great way to kind of get something out into the market uh, at incredibly low cost, actually, in, in terms of how we did it. So, Norby, what, what were the technical challenges of effectively squashing the enormous experience into a, into a much smaller package? Well, the the technical challenge didn't come from uh, squashing the the system into a smaller package. It's uh, more like it's a standalone unit mm-hmm. uh, that needs to be operating in a number of different uh, environments, and it needs to be robust enough to uh, operate without any uh, operate operators. Uh, so that came from uh, from that. From that use case, so we needed to make it as robust as possible. We need we needed to implement a, a sort of a watchdog system that would uh, monitor the the system's uh, health status, and then uh, we could uh, we could actually look at it from uh, remotely. And uh, that was the uh, that was the technical challenge. In terms of the productization of it, Chapa, I mean, in how, what is it that we feel that we really learned over the period from the initial project launch through to today? We're still <laughs> learning. That's the, that's the truth. Like, um, actually, Hiromir was one of the first projects that I that I started working when I joined the company. So one of the first things that that um, that um, start you know like. Analyzing or, or, or defining, it was what Alex mentioned previously: the, the the user flow, because it was different. Just by being like a different um, footprint, the result of the experience it was different, and it was many different steps that uh, most of the times were controlled by the user itself by activating a touch screen and, and so on. So, so I think like like we we learn a lot f- not just from the from the. Um, software perspective but how can we integrate every piece of hardware that we need for this experience into one unit how like we went down the road to um you know like industrial design to produce this uh, this uh, this box how we uh, how modular it could be um because you know, like we work on the assumption that have a full version in which integrated um, um uh, contactless payment and uh, and printing, but uh, once that we have the full the full um, the full box up and running, it was interesting also to uh, to learn from the different needs that this specific product um, solve for for our customers. Um, for for some, you know, like we we, we really try to don't work on assumptions so every time that we deploy one of these uh, one of these kiosk um, we 
we got a little bit of knowledge on what are the advantages of like some some might say that print is dead, but the truth is that the relationship that uh, visitor experiences of having a physical print with uh, one of the heroes is something that you cannot match on a on a digital level. Uh, in the digital level, however, like ones that you, for instance, receive a, a GIF, an animated GIF with, uh, of yourself with the character on the screen, that's uh, another length. How can we leverage this digital experience? So I think that one of the biggest, one of the biggest um, questions that we had is like, will, will, will people enjoy this like, like downsized version of the of the experience but actually we learn a lot how we could tackle different uh, steps and how we can identify the the many touch points that this apparently simple flow has in order to provide the better the, the best experience for the visitors and not just um, leaving that on location but have a good memory that you can take with yourself and share uh, in your social media, for instance. Yeah, so ultimately, I guess the, this, this, the solution, as it's developed over time, is, is to deliver the vision that essentially we had at the outset has actually been quite iterative in terms of the various steps we've taken, the hardware development, arguably more than the software, and the user interface and the user flow has probably been the kind of, arguably the kind of key <coughs> element in making a success. And also, I, I think content. I think con- content was... I mean, for for me, for me, content has been the, the thing that we've learned the most about. So I think having having had to build three dimensional content from the beginning, we we assumed that that's what people would want. So we, we there were a couple of kind of there were a couple of supposed guarantees for us: one that it would move, and two that it would be three dimensional. And it turns out that not even that was necessarily the case. So. I was I was on a particular project, and because of the timelines, because of the way the job was structured, um, I we had to use uh, static images of certain heroes or characters as well as animated characters. And I was lucky enough to be on location on that one and watched. Uh, so, so the internal meetings were about well, the static characters are nowhere near as good as animated characters, and da da da. And then I sat and just watched people use it. <clears throat> I sat there for two, three hours, and people were queuing off this particular ex- exhibition stand. What was most fascinating is that people were choosing based on the character only, and they had no issue with how that character was then displayed. So that threw, for me, that threw everything out of the window. It, every assumption we'd had about what people wanted from content was then, as far as we were concerned, was wrong. And they were just as happy to have um, a moment with a, a, a static image of a particular character, if that's the character that they wanted. Yeah. Because ultimately, the end result was arguably static anyway. Mm-hmm. The takeaway was static. Yeah. That was liberating, in a way, because like sometimes when you work on your... On your um, you, know, like, you, you create this, this environment that you work on assumptions and iterate over your own assumptions and then you think that you need to to have like the like the most powerful computer the biggest amount of polygons the the, the greatest shaders and it's not about that. <laughs> and that and that's that's the thing like once that we like even without feeling fully comfortable with with ourselves to you know like 
take this unit out and test it with the real people and, and, and take it there. That's when like it was so liberating to see that, yeah, like the point is valid, the vision is valid. And these things that we are digging a hole, like it's not that important. So yeah, that's, I asked that's people <coughs> on site, I asked people, did you see a difference in between this and this? And they just looked, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I have a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah and, that, and that's great. Cause that's, they're, they're the people that are buying it, so to speak. Yeah. Great. Well, one of the main promises of Hero Mirror is that it resurrects existing or imaginary characters. So, Norby, which was your favorite hero that we brought to life over the past three years? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, prob- probably Ray <laughs> from Star Wars. But that's, uh, that's a perfect example of, uh, yeah. of a non-moving uh, character. Uh, and just a static image, but that's just because I'm a Star Wars fan. So it's like it it it's, it doesn't connect to any challenges or challenges or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is the Pikachu uh, character for the Pikachu movie. That's just because it was a, a a fun project. It was very kind of. It was just such a perfect package the Pokemon thing. yeah absolutely it just from end to end you kind of <clears throat> you're like yeah and I get this and I do this and then we're done and this character arrives and then you kind of have this instant kind of snapshot and you're like yeah that that's what it was built to do mm. that's you know that's doing it well admittedly being an amazingly well-known yeah. character helps yeah. but Chavo how about you um I think beyond the, like this powerful IP that we just uh you know, like discussed I think like it, it, probably that's more for personal or internal reasons. Uh, Sean, mm. the alien, that it's, yeah. it has been part of the indie family for like since <laughs> like years True. ago. So just to see how that character that we um, that we explore in a in a different mm. uh, in a different product that bring him to life in the Hero Mirror world that was that was amazing. I still it's it's like I think my favorite character yeah. of the ones that lives inside the Hero Mirror world. Who, yeah. I don't need to ask you because I know it's the princess, isn't it? Yes, I'm very princess oriented. <laughs> um, I know Sean. Sean, to a certain extent, just because I, he particularly has a kind of special place for us because he, he's the you know, he, we're not a character creation company. We're not a licensing company in that respect. And I think to have to have launched to have made a character that became something that people recognised and identified with. And then to see him kind of reappear, and then sounds like, from what I've heard, that it might even potentially reappear again, is is kind of great. That's kind of nice. It's nice to be. It's nice to have a story attached to to any kind of thing that you make. Um, and I was there when he was being sweated out in a box at Comic Con in two thousand eleven <laughs> thirteen. So um, yeah, close to that one. So, Alex, I mean, we, 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 our project that we ran at Madame Two Swords earlier this year was the first one where we've incorporated gamification into the unit. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that came about and how it was created? Yeah, I think <clears throat> it's kind of been on the roadmap for Hero Mirror for a while. And I think, I think the more we've talked to, the more we particularly, let's say educational institutions, we've talked to them and they've said, well, you know, this is great, but this is, at the moment, this is a kind of, to a certain extent, a superficial level of entertainment and it's going to do A, B and C and generate something. So now how can we use that to to kind of gamify a level of education about a particular subject? Um, 
so that that's kind of where it came about and i think it does throw up a lot of challenges and it's madame two swords was was really it was built around the idea of a, almost like a quiz show and it was almost the idea that you had a host and the host was Hamilton and therefore you were kind of getting drawn into learning about something while at the same time kind of thinking this was a really fun game. Um, but it does throw up a lot of challenges in terms of how people learn the language that's going on on the screen because what effectively what you're doing is you're asking them two things. You're asking them to, <clears throat> to understand... So people understand now how to operate touchscreens but then this had a lot of added components to it, which I think the, you know, Trevor and Norby can kind of highlight. But this had a lot of components to it. It then required you to understand how things like gesture, for example, and then the switch between the dynamics, so between touch to an AR view as well. Um, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's a very, very hard thing to do well. And we, we did work extremely hard on that project. I know that, like, challenge-wise, I think... Yeah, I, I, like, as you rightly mentioned, um, this idea of um, how we, um, every time that you create an interactive piece in which you don't interact in the way that you know, that is either with a touch screen or a mouse, keyboard, or whatever, and you introduce some gestures, like, you open, um, you know, like, word of possibilities, but also you need to deliver uh, right instructions at the right time, because easily... You can create the greatest thing in the world, but if the people don't know how to use it, they think that it doesn't work. That's that's the, so. We spend a lot of time trying to to smooth that process to deliver them like gradually the information that the users and the visitor needed to to learn in order to have a pleasant experience. Because at the end of the day, it's not like how complex your technology is. It's again like how can you deliver in the in the in the right moment and you know, like enjoy it, not not suffer the the technology. So that was our, our, our biggest challenge, I think. Yeah, and it was uh, trying to uh, close the gap between the two edge cases of, uh, of users. So uh, detect the, the gestures of the user and by trying to make it as natural as possible. So that's when the user experience, the user education of the whole user experience was really important. And that's where we, we had a lot of challenges. How to make sure that the user, is, uh, user understands what to do uh, while trying to uh, solve the issue of, of the gesture control. Of our, because our, right now, gesture control relies on, on so many things. Uh, lighting, camera image, uh, uh, people's size. Uh, and so on, how far they move their hands out, and so on. Uh, so we had to uh, we had to find a sweet spot. Yeah, Minority Report made so much damage yeah. to this kind of <laughs> expectations on how a, a, an interactive gesture-based system works. So yeah, we will need to like we, yeah. dumb I mean, it down. <laughs> yeah, I mean gesture even so even that that system is obviously trying to recognize who it is that's controlling it, but then you've got other people in the shot. In, you know, so then it's so who's controlling it, and if someone lifts their arm behind that person, yeah. does that then register as that? Um, and it's you know we've <clears throat> we kind of worked really really hard to get beyond using Connect. So Connect really was the kind of go-to tool to create gesture control anywhere, whatever it was. If it was in a hero mirror, or if it was on a big screen or whatever. <clears throat> and actually, you know, Connect doesn't really exist anymore. 
Um, and so, you know, to, to focus on that and trying to get it to be able to segment people, to be able to understand who's controlling it and when they're controlling it. And if that was a, effectively a false positive, you know, it's, it was really hard. Really yeah, hard. it's one thing to get gesture control right in a controlled environment where uh, only the developer the, uh, or the, the one sole tester is there and trying to find out how to do the gesture, which probably works 99% of the time because they know what to do and we know what the environment is. But it's a completely different thing, as Alex mentioned, that uh, there are people behind the user and uh, people walking around and... and um, and including the light, for example, and stuff like that. But this is, as I said, this is probably the first project of this type that we haven't relied on Connect or RealSense. And what, and what is the benefit to to us or to other companies using this technology of not having to use those expensive bits of hardware? Well, it's le- less moving parts. Uh, one less thing thing to uh, break <laughs> basically uh, the other thing is that uh, it's it, it it's able to operate in a, in, uh, more, in different environments because Kinect has this limitation that it, it cannot work in uh, direct sunlight and, and so on and so on so it's uh, a lot uh, uh, more flexible um, and basically uh, it, it's more we can build on it uh, in a little, uh, uh, a lot more uh, dynamically. So the Kinect has a really like closed system, uh, closed SDK with a, a really, uh, really set uh, number of uh, functionality. And once we get rid of that, uh, we just open up the possibilities. And for- yeah. So, uh, from the uh, development point of view, at least. Yeah, and, and this uh, this was important uh, as well because it's so aligned with uh, with the R and D that we do, uh, that we make in house. Uh, basically, our premise because we are working constantly with cameras, computer vision, uh, augmented reality. That's the core of the technology that we are using. So there's always this question on what else can we do with cameras? And we are reaching this point in which um, machine learning is, is getting to this point in which a lot of the uh, image processing is happening on the computer, creating the ability for us or the flexibility to explore what else we can actually do with a camera feed. So that's why I'm like Hero Mirror as it stands and thinking about the roadmap ahead, it's really interesting because we will be incorporating uh, like features that will actually leverage this, uh, this kind of technology, not just for the sake of incorporating R&D, R&D uh, uh, steps on the, on, on, into this product because it will be something that will add more, um, you know, like uh, a better experience for the, for the end user. And and yeah, it's uh, it's actually uh, really exciting what's happening in this in this uh, specific um, environment. So we've seen that there are other companies out there in the market now who've developing their own kind of kiosk-based products of various sorts. Um, what is it you think has inspired them to try and copy the product? And what do you think is the biggest challenge? for companies trying to replicate the experience we've created? Well, challenge is, is a, the, the challenge that we all have. Like some, we already face it uh, before, like understanding how to interact with this with these pieces. I think that it's something that we like kind of show the way how to do it. So it's not, it's not by accident that some of our user flows are being replicated. It's just because we 
you know, like tested so many times and failed so many times that actually we arrived to one point in which we found something that actually works. So it's easier to to, to replicate. So the, the 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 things ahead is is again like how you uh, as a like trying to use this platform to create uh, these nice experiences, uh, you will face the, the the same challenges or not being driven by the technology or not being driven by by some something that can fade so so easily. So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the of the points that I think people <clears throat> yeah people sort of forget or neglect to talk about <clears throat> how how many years or how much work you have to do to get to any point. And I, th- I think, th- th- you know, these, these kind of slightly hilarious stories of like, oh, well, I just want to start another Facebook. It was like, well, Facebook wasn't even a Facebook. I mean, it went through years of iterations and only really became what it is at a certain point. And I think <clears throat> without that experience behind you, you don't tend to really know what you're doing next. And I think, uh, you know, having been, in, having been in meetings, trying to talk to people about hero mirrors with a, in a wooden box in 2013, I can categorically say that I've thought about it a lot. And, and I've had lots of people tell me why it won't work or it won't do it won't do A, B, and C. I think you, what, as Chava said, once you, once you've you've made the mistakes, you you start to learn faster and faster and faster. And so for everyone that's kind of for every kind of imitation that you see, that they're, they're effectively at stage one, and we're already at stage six. And so we productized an absolute chunk of the stuff that we do. We have kind of dedicated content flows into it. We understand what works, what doesn't in terms of content. We understand what doesn't work and does work in terms of UI. Hardware-wise, we have been to hell and back to understand exactly what works. I mean, we've had <clears throat> we've had units that we've had units that that weigh, you know, two hundred and fifty kilos. It was a prototype, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. So, I think, you know, we've, we've been there and we've seen the challenges, but we've done it multiple times. So whenever anyone arrives to us and says, I'm, I'm interested in doing something like this, we can already save them an absolute bunch of time by saying, yes, the video showed you this. The reality says this. It goes back to the same thing with broadcast AR. It's like, well, I, we, yeah, but we want we want gesture controlled interactivity on a big screen okay we get it we understand but the truth is if you're going to place a system like this in front in front of 25 kids who have had you know two glasses of fanta it's going to be very hard for the the, well it's the truth you know and then we're going to save you a lot of time by by showing you how we've already made that mistake and you're not going to make the mistake again and so yeah it, it it Experience counts for a lot more than I ever thought, actually. I think in the old days, as someone who started a business, thinking you can kind of, you can jump, you can jump three steps, and you can't. You're going to need to go from one to five, whether you like it or not. You're just going to do it the hard way or the easy way. <clears throat> and what do you think of the real, what do you think of the real benefits to the end user, to the customer, to the user of, of the Hero Mirror Norby? I mean, what is it that you think the experience really gives people? Well, on a, on a really high level, it gives them the ability to meet the, with their heroes. That's the name, the hero mirror. You see yourself uh, next to your hero, basically. Uh, the benefit is, is basically a, a up-close uh, experience. 
to the end user, basically. Uh, an upload experience uh, and the ability to control your uh, own um, narrative within, uh, in front of the uh, device. And of course, the takeaways, uh, you get your own photos, you can, you can pose with your own, uh, in your own style, if you want. And then uh, you get your printed or your uh, photo, and uh, your printed photo or via email. Yeah, I, I think that, that one of the things that, uh, like, besides what Norby said, is the fact that there's, um, there's an AR language that is being built now. How we interact with digital content, how we interact with overlays on a camera feed. So that's true for, like, snapshot filters to a lot of the, the very basic and first approach of what uh, AR narrative is. So what Hiromiro provides is something that it gets them closer, it feels natural, but also provides the benefit of uh, taking advantage of that very basic um, first step of uh, AR narrative and bring you closer personal without the need of any other device. So, so yeah, that's, I, I think that like the, some of our products actually close the gap between what is the current status of AR and what's the promise of this new media will be. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think there's a, the kind of instant nature of it. It's kind of very, there's like instant gratification for the user. So it's like there's nothing worse than, than the idea of, and let's be honest, you know, we, 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 all, we have meetings internally, all these companies do, and they talk about this brilliant idea and then no one really fleshes out how it's going to work on the ground. It gets to the ground. And then you, the truth is, is that there's too, many, there's too many hurdles for people to jump. And so people just don't use it. It's just too difficult. And I think that, that thing particularly, because of its immediacy kind of physically in front of you, you're, you, are, you are meeting a character you never meet. You're interacting with a character you'd never meet. And you're getting a memento from it instantly, uh, effectively, uh, give or take four or five keystrokes. Um, and for a brand, uh, that, that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, that, that has genuine value in terms of generating engagement with, with users or potential customers. And it works as well in a retail space as it does in, in, uh, you know, in sports arenas, etc., there's not that much around that really does that, actually. When you, when you think about it, when you go to these different venues, you go to malls, you go to sports venues, what is it that you really instantly kind of latch onto and engage with? I don't, I've not really seen that much. I mean, I see mobile applications that people create a great portfolio video and send out, but I, never, I very rarely ever see anyone actually on the ground all huddled around a phone going, this is brilliant. That's the difference. Uh, and that's why it exists, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's... Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's very clear that it's, it delivers very kind of clear benefits. I mean, how do, I mean, do we... Are those measurable benefits in any way? I mean, how would you... Yeah, um, so... So we've kind of like one of the things that's well, there's a couple of things that go on with with Hero Mirror and depending on what kind of build it is and what iteration it is and and what who we're using it for. But the the first thing is is that obviously for you to unlock the the experience, you're going to have to give data about yourself in terms of you know depending on what the brand requires from a privacy perspective or a legal perspective, it's obviously going to require that you send your content to someone. <clears throat> um, so so first off. 
that's that there's an immediate and i I'd, I'd noticed actually with brands that we've spoken to recently that there's a genuine value in being able to obviously remarket to those people afterwards they they were willing to put a minute or two's time into your company and therefore they're probably more interested than most so the remarketing side is kind of is valid i think like going you know we measure kind of we measure the the idea of how much usage it has per hour or across the day or across you know the week for example but i think then then you get into um some of the stuff we do with with sort of computer vision things and actually measuring age gender and emotional state of people that are using it in real time so that's not that's not something that we've integrated into the hero mirror yet because we know we can i'm just not 100% sure that was certainly with brands in particular countries that it's probably not possible but for others it's it's very possible and would be an amazing amount of data to receive from that yeah um actually like any interactive um like experience can be measurable like you can measure anything so we are used on that on the on the internet or whatever but what the value the value that we had with the with hero mirror is that we measure that interaction on a real space so it goes beyond the screen actually the things that we can provide as insights for the you know like the actual people that are enjoying these things that are the actual people that is you know like getting related with the brand message that we delivered through the Hero Mirror. Yeah, sorry. So, so I was just going to mention that we were talking about um, about emailing and sending pictures out. It's funny how, and we've banged on about this for years, it's funny how uh, for a long, long time you would talk to, you would talk to companies you say, you you can't just go and sell to people anymore. You can't just, you can't just broadcast to people anymore. The idea of a sort of one-way broadcast is sort of slightly dead. Um, So the so the Snapchat kind of generating this memento and an email that goes to you, you keep and, and people are opening it kind of multiple times and keeping it and sharing it. So actually, there's a really interesting dynamic that goes on that you get you get a physical event relating to your social media in real time, and that's actually quite rare. Um, and, and that's that's something that it's, it's actually kind of surprised me certainly just see the idea that people okay no great I, i i do want that and i do want to keep it and i do want to show show my friends that thing too that image of me with norby for example <laughs> priceless <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i was just going to mention that that all these uh, uh emails that we uh, send out through uh, snapshare and hero mirror uh they have an amazing open rate like uh way higher than uh, way higher than uh, the uh, industry uh, average so we have like at least the minimum of two times they open the email which is uh, it's because you're giving people something that they exactly. want you're not, you're not just sending them oh you know thanks for coming Yeah, <laughs> he's in the survey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, will you help us with our net promoter score? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's like, oh, great! Yeah. I was really looking forward Thank to you. participating in your net promoter score. Yeah. Well, there was. There's, there's the next challenge. How do we turn net promoter score into a hero mirror? <laughs> so, we'll think on, about it. On, so who's, your, who's your who's your next? Who's the fantasy character for you to be next Ooh. part of the? Um, Hero mirror portfolio. The, that, that's just a, a long list. We can sit here all night long. Uh, I'd, like, I'd just like to point out that even the person monitoring the sound is laughing at that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, actually. I have so many, I, I can't name one. Just from off the air? Or <laughs> what? <laughs> Only off air? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars movie coming up later this year. Well, yeah, uh, but then the, there are all those uh, NBA players and, uh, and uh, all the uh, Marvel characters. I can't name one. I'll ask the question next time, who's your hero, Norby? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we get a bit deeper, quicker. Karim Abdul-Jabbar. There we go. Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide, that would be fantastic. And we're we're really revealing our age now. I think. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie? I'm, you know, I'm excited about the upcoming, like, we cannot talk that much about these things, but like the the sports space, especially for a football fan, it's getting super interesting. So yeah, keep an eye on that. And, and the other thing is like my own, you know, like personal favorite is you know, like superheroes IP, and yeah, that's that's also coming. So that keeps me excited. Yeah, I feel like this part of me feels like you shouldn't sort of give it away, but I, like, I do. Yeah, I, like, I mean, yeah, I I have the right name. I mean, obviously Rihanna. Huh? <laughs> just Rihanna. Rihanna. R- <laughs> Rihanna. That would be a given. Yeah. No, I, I, I think the entertainment side is kind of is, is one of the really interesting things. So there's there's a lot of kind of current kind of stars that would be amazing in it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'll say. It. I mean, someone would probably do it, and it doesn't matter. But I like. I just think. I just think a Kanye hero mirror would be just the most awesome thing in the world. What? A Kanye hero mirror would just be the most awesome thing in the world. Well, we um, a religious experience. I think. So Kanye yeah, you have to come with quotes, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With, no, with, but you could just. Quotes. Yeah, you could pick a mood. You could pick a statement. It's like a meme generator, <laughs> and you just. And you just, you know, so Kanye, if you're listening, I, I would just really. Yeah, really you you love can bring your that. political family as well, <coughs> family, the in-laws. It, it's almost endless in a sense. I mean, there's, it's pretty much you could load in, I don't know, at least a hundred different Kanye moves in. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you can then be part of that, and you just think like so. Yeah, I'm probably just giving it away, and it's probably worth tens of millions of dollars, but it it just would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't really think we can top that. That's a perfect way to kind of sign off the episode. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you want to find out anything, any more about our kiosk based solutions, please look us up at www.industry.com. So, that's I N D E S T R Y.com. Thank you. <laughs>